sin has left a crimson stain. We are nearly finished with the book of James. There's one more sermon that's going to come out of the book of James next week. And then we've worked through the whole book of James. Have you grown spiritually in this time? Has the word changed some of your thought processes? That is the aim of the word of God. Now you might look at today's message and you might say, wait a minute, this is a repeat. Look at it. It says there, the sentence we finish every week, we say a mature Christian is patient in suffering. A mature Christian is patient in sufferings. You remember when we start off in James, what have we preached about? Patience. Then we said a mature Christian has got patience in trials. So patience is such an important topic and, and something to talk about that James goes back to patience. And I can tell you one thing this morning, this world needs more patience. Can you agree with that? Come. They will become patients. Yes, I like that. It's either patience or you will become a patient. Thank you, brother. Yeah, it's true. But the world needs that. I don't know about you, but I look around me and I see a lot of impatient people. I mean, there I was turning up, uh, flying back from New Zealand, standing in line to board the, the plane, and there's two lanes there, and, and you get a premium premium, you, you just fly a little bit more. You're not special than all the other people, but some people think they are. You know, they hold that little silver cart and they go, oh, I'm more special than you. Well, you're not. You're just the same as everybody. But there I'm standing in line and I make sure that when I fly these days, you become clever that I get on early on the flight. Because have you seen the bags that people take with them? It amazes me, you know, the carry-on luggage people take. It's big bags now. So I make sure that I'm there early so I can put my bag in and sit down because there's people then coming on last on the planes and they stand around and they go, it is really, really embarrassing, you know, and I feel sorry for them. But, but then I'm standing in the queue and I'm standing at the front of the line waiting. And I must say, you know, patience is something that, that touches everybody. There's not a person in this place who said in the last week they didn't become impatient. So I'm standing there, and you get these people, you know, you can't go any further than from here to there, but you get these people who starts pushing in right here. They want to be first. And then I must this morning admit that I grew a little bit impatient. Because what do I do? There's one, two, three people who pushed past me to try to be in front of them. What did I do? My impatience started to work in my body. I tried so hard, John, to keep it back, but this legs, they started pushing forward. <laughs> and I'm, I'm standing close to it now, and yet, would you believe it, Janelle, another lady starts pushing through this. I had to lean a little bit back, but I'm not going to take that step back. <laughs> no. And you know what patience, impatience started doing in me again? You wouldn't believe it. It moved my legs again, a little bit more forward. So I wanted to make sure. Now I was first. I was going to be first on a plane, but now I'm fourth in the line. But that's what impatient to us. It moves people. And you know what? There's accidents that happen because of impatience. I remember in New Zealand there was an advertisement on TV where this man drives up to an intersection. 
And they, they, they highlighted it as choices you make. Make the right choice. So what is happening? They showed this person is really agitated behind the wheel and impatient. And he saw a gap in the traffic. And what did he do? He went for the gap. And the next moment, there's a big crash. They don't show what happens. But impatience caused an accident. It happens to everybody. So it happens to me as well. And I constantly have to tell me, I've got to say to myself, self, don't move one step further because you are preaching about patience this coming weekend. And you can't be a hypocrite standing there preaching about impatience and patience and you're impatient. But it happens to all of us. So that's why I believe it's so important that James goes back to patience. And he says it right there. Or we say it. A mature Christian is patient in suffering. He's got patience in that. Now, as I said, we've had this before. Look at James chapter 1 verse 2. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You know that word trials, there's tests that come your way. He says there, count it joy. In other words, do you know what joy is? Joy is a smile on your face. It's a step in your feet. Joy is a happiness and lightness in your life. And he says you've got to be like that when these things come your way. Why? Because in verse 3 he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. If you want to test your patience, you need to have trials. That's the only way that you're going to know that your patience will last. Yet when a lot of people go into trials, especially Christians, what do they do? They hit their knees and they pray to God and say, Oh Lord, take this away from me, I can't take it anymore. But maybe God wants to test your patience. He wants to test your faith. How would you know you have that if you don't get tested? This is, this is the thought behind this. He says, knowing that your testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. In other words, let it go through the full completion of the test. From the beginning to the end, that you may be perfect and complete Lacking nothing. Who would have thought that testing your patience will, will bring you to a point that you are perfect, complete, and you lack nothing? Who would have thought that? I would have thought you just study the Bible and you get a lot of knowledge in that, and now I'm, I'm perfect. I know everything. No, no. It is the testing of your patience. You say, I've never been tested with my patience. Oh, yes, you have. If you have children, you've been tested. We were at Andre's birthday party yesterday, and you know, there's a lot of patience tests there, you know, just all over. And, and you know, this is the constant thing going on. You can't tick the box and say, now that's done, let's move on. And we saw when we studied through this passage here, there were four things that came out of that study. First of all, it's that suffering is common to humanity. Who knows that? It's common. We suffer. It's common. And you're going to suffer in your life. It's not as if when you are born, there's a free pass for you right through your life without suffering. And if people say they don't suffer, you know, I, I can hardly believe that. Then we saw that suffering we, we bring upon yourselves. There's a lot of people suffering in the world today about things that they brought upon themselves, choices they made. Wrong choices. But do you think they want to listen to you when you warned them before they made that choice? No, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm my own man, 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 I'm my own girl, man, I'm going to do it. 
And then we saw suffering intended by God for the good and also suffering that brings God's glory. So we've looked through all of that. In all of that, James says to us, count it all joy when you fall into these trials. Count it joyful. Why? Because there's something happening with your patience. In Luke chapter 21 verse 19, listen to this. He says, by your patience you will gain your lives. Have you seen that verse before? You know who spoke these words? No, it's not uh, uh, one of the great orators of, of this world. It's not Winston Churchill who spoke these words. This is our Lord Jesus Christ who spoke these words. And I know that I plucked it out, but you need to go back into context and go and read it this afternoon. Don't let me just parachuting throw these verses at you, but read it. He says, by your patience you will gain your lives. And it's taken further on in Romans when Paul writes about it. He says in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, Therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the one thing that everybody needs is peace with God. If you do not have peace with God, you're in trouble. You will have a turmoil life. He says, verse 2, Through whom also we have access by faith into His grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of glory of our God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Have you noticed? Do you see what Paul says? He says we glory in tribulation. When things don't go our way, we glory. Here James says we count it all joy when we fall into various trials. Then I find it interesting that Christians, when they go through trials, some of them have the longest faces you can find on the planet of the earth. Some of them, their bottom lip, they better watch out not to trip over it. You can all read it in their body language. And here he says, count it, he says, be glory in tribulations, knowing what? It's the same thing that James said. He says, knowing this thing, it is in fact that tribulation produces perseverance. That is what the translators put down there. You know the same Greek word is used for here for patience, is used here for perseverance. You know what perseverance is? It is long suffering long suffering we don't want to have that do we we want to have short suffering and he talks about this he says persevering he says what does this tribulation cause it cause it cause patience and patience causes character and character hope that's God's format patience is very important for the child of God very, very important for us. Now let's read our text and let's uh, unpack it as we go through. James chapter 5 verse 7, he says, therefore be patient. Now that's not a patient in an hospital. <laughs> I think we all know what he means there. That means long suffering. He says, be patient. Why? He says, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. He gives a time there that we need to be patient. Oh, oh, preacher, how long do I need to be patient before I can just tell them off? 
Oh, oh, preacher, how long do I need to be patient? Because I give them a smack. Oh, oh, how long? Well, it's so clear, isn't it? How long is long? Long is until the coming of the Lord. Who knows when the coming of the Lord is going to be? That answer tests your patience. Until the coming of our Lord. That's the unknown for you and for me. Oh, there's so many people in the world now who, who say, oh, it's apparently today was one of those days again. I've read somewhere that the world is going to end today. Don't believe these people. It's, they are full of nonsense. It's rubbish. See how a farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Secondly, he shows that. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the, in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of all the patience of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. That's what we're going to study today. Have you noticed three times he mentions the coming of our Lord? Three times. Our patience needs to go to the coming of our Lord. We are living in a world, as we pray today, that is changing. They are going to change things which is going to upset us as Christians. But we need to stay patient. Although it looks as if God is losing control over the earth, although it looks as if He's allowing a lot of things that happens which we do not agree with, we need to stay patient. Until when? Until He comes. Now some of us might go through difficult hardships because of our stance and because we are children of God, but we need to stay patient. It is so clear. This is our blessed hope. If you ask a child of God today, what is your hope for the future? It is one thing for me today, is the coming of our Lord. That is my blessed hope. I'm looking forward to that. They can do with me whatever they want to do on this earth. But my blessed hope is this, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that still what you're looking for? Are you still looking at this heaven and think that it can happen any day? This is our blessed hope, dear friends. In Titus chapter 2 verse 11, Paul writes to this young pastor, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that. Teaching what? Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. That has become so difficult these days for our young people. Just those words there. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, this is why I say this is my blessed hope, is the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says there that we should live. Have you noticed that he did not say that the world should live soberly? 
The world's not living soberly. We've got all of the evidence around us. But he's not talking to the world. Who's he talking to? He's talking to us. So in the midst of this whole world who's going to go and live unsoberly and who lives in a, in, in a fallen morality, we need to live soberly. We can't stand before the Lord one day and say, oh, but Lord, did you see the world? And let me tell you another thing. There's nothing new under the sun. What is happening today has happened before. At Sodom and Gomorrah, it's the same thing that happened today. At Sodom and Gomorrah, it wasn't the, the, the unrighteousness that came in. It wasn't sodomy that That is a problem and a sin in itself. But it's because it was pushed down their throats. It's happening so more now. But he says in the midst of all of that, we should live soberly. That means we need to live with self-control. Do you have self-control in this world? Righteously and in this godly age. Now it says nowhere in the Bible that it's going to be easy. Have you, have you found a verse like that? If you find the verse that says that living a Christian life is easy, I'll give you five dollars. Okay then, man, five thousand. <laughs> you say five bucks, you put only five, you're not so sure about yourself. No, I'm very sure. I can give you five million dollars for that. It's not an easy life. It's not going to become easier. But he says it right there. We look forward for the blessed hope. The blessed hope of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, even in, in, in Acts, when I see that, when Paul went through the cities and he preached to the cities in Lystra and Iconium and in Antioch, this was the words. He says, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. It's not going to be easy. It's not a, a, a bed of roses or a road of ease. No, no, even in, in John chapter 16, verse 33, we hear Jesus saying these words. He says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In whom? In Jesus. It's in Him. He's the only peacemaker and peace giver. He says, I've said that you have peace in me. In the world you will have tribulation. You will have that. And we can talk about that. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And you know what he says in John chapter 14? He says, I go to prepare a place and I come back to receive you unto myself. So I'm looking forward for that day when he's coming back. Now look at this. We find two words for the word patient that James uses. Uh, he says there, therefore be patient, brethren, and then waiting for patiently until uh, he received the early latter rain. This is about the farmer. Patience. He uses two words here. In this passage. First, he used the word makruthumil. That means a long spirit and a long suffering. But he also uses the word here in verse 10. He uses the word hupumomia, which means to stay put, stand fast when you'd like to run away. That is where your patience is tested. How many times have you come in a situation and say, I'm just going to throw it in. I'm just going to pack up and go. This kind of patience is what he's talking about. That in the midst of the most difficult time of your life, you put your two feet down and you say, no, I'm going to stand and wait. That's the patience he's talking about. This is the same patience 
that when Moses was standing and they could see in, in, in a distance how the armies of the Egyptians were coming and the people, they were caught in a corner. It's the sea there and they couldn't run. They, and he said to them what? He said, stand and wait. This is the kind of patience that he's talking about. And that's the patience that we need to have. Now James gives us three encouraging examples of patience in this passage. Three. And we're quickly going to look at them. The first is the farmer. He says there in verse 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of our Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Have you seen a farmer in your life? Waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You see the early rain when it comes, I grew up in Western Transvaal. And Western Transvaal, there's a lot of gold mines, but there's also a lot of farmers there. And we had crops that was, they planted corn. And also in the free state, they planted corn. And I have met so many farmers in my time. And they wait for that early rain. Early rain is when the season comes in. Because the early rain comes in and it softens the soil. And once the early rain comes in and it passed over, that's when the farmers get in and they plow the lands. Because the soil is softened up and it's ready now. Then they put in the, the seeds. And then during the season there's a lot of rain that falls and it pushes the plant through. But the farmer sits there and waits and looking patiently to his crop. But then he also waits for the latter rain. The latter rain is the final rain that will fall that pushes through this plant into the adult stage and into the stage that it can be harvested. So both these rains are critically important. And I remember vividly the times where there were droughts there, where the early rain would fall but there was no latter rain. And I could see... I was driving past these crops, these farmlands, and I could see how the fruit was dying on the land. So a farmer is, is so expectant on, of, on the weather for everything to happen. God's blessing. But you see, I've also been in times where there were too much rain. And then what will happen? These plants, they will become uh, uh, softened into that. So not too much rain, just the perfect amount of rain is what the farmer is looking for. And he says, you know what? We need to become patient like this farmer. Waiting for it until the early and the latter. And look at verse 8. He says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts. Be patient like this farmer, in other words. A farmer is a very patient person. They sit there and they wait. They continue on with other things. It's not as if the farmer plant and then sit back. They continue working. And so we should be. We continue working through whatever we do. We don't just sit back and say nothing's now happening with us. No. We need to grow spiritually. We need to read the Word of God. But we keep the patience of a farmer. It's a beautiful picture that he compares us with now. Is with this farmer. And then he says, establish your heart. You see that? That means that you set your heart. You, you make up your mind. What do you want to do? I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait this out. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. And then he says another thing. He says, do not grumble against one another. Do you know what impatience brings? A lot of grumbling. I grew up with a family of nine. We were nine children in my family. Six sisters, two brothers. And I saw a lot of impatience in our family. You know what it brings? Grumblings. 
And this is what needs not to happen in the church. There's grumblings amongst each other because of impatience. You know, the world is crying out. They say, you preach all these things, we can see nothing. It is as if the world is going on and nothing's happening. And people within the church is starting to grumble with one another. He says, lest you be condemned. So the first picture he gives us of encouragement is the picture of a farmer. So, uh, look at this, uh, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. We look for the fruit. Look at the way that he says it there. He says, he patiently waits until he receives the early rain, but he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. I have planted some things in my life as well, tomatoes. I'm not like these guys, but you know what? It's nice. You put the tomato in and, and it starts growing. And what am I looking for? I'm looking for the fruit. And once you see that little fruit coming out, every single day I walk past it. And every day you look at it and I walk back and I go, oh, it's a little bit bigger now. And then it comes to the point where it's big and now what am I looking for? A change of color. So I want it to become red. And then every single day I walk out the back door and I go and water it, give it a little bit more water and go, yes, maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll come back and this tomato will be red and I'll pick it and it'll be great. You see, I'm looking for the fruit. So the next day I walk out and I come to the fruit and what happened? The birds came down and they picked the fruit. What do I do next year? Patiently, I put the next one in. But now I've learned because now I put a net over it. So now I'm looking out every day and walk past it and I go, wow, it's there. And I'm so confident in myself that you know what's going to happen? The birds is not going to get to this thing. So the same thing happened over and over again. I look for the fruit and I get out there and I go, tomorrow this thing is going to be red and I'm going to pick the thing. So the next day I walk out and what got to the thing? Worms. You see, and then I can throw it in. But no, no, the third year I go back and now I know and because I've learned and now I spray the thing with things that worms can't get in there. But eventually I got my own red tomato from my tree. I look for the fruit patiently. This is where he's going with this. We, as children like the farmers, also looking for fruit. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 just talks about some fruit. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And I just want to mention to you, have you seen that he doesn't talk about a plural here? He don't talk about fruits. He talks about the fruit because i've heard some people who say oh you know that verse in galatians chapter 5 verse 22 brother oh you know what i have got the the laugh man i'm so full of love it just comes out of me you know, and i've got the joy have you seen me be joyful i'm so joyful he says i've got peace i feel so peace at my heart but man that long suffering i'm still working on that this is not plurals, it's one. You, if you have one, you have them all. The fruit of the Spirit is these things. Kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. You say, wait a minute, if you've got children, you'll, you'll talk a different story about long-suffering. But you still need the fruit of the Spirit. So this is how we are compared and an encouragement example of patience for us. Then the second one is the prophets. He says in verse 10, My brethren, take the prophets 
who spoke in the name of the Lord and as an example of suffering and patience. Have you read through the Old Testament and see all the old prophets? Were they the most famous people in the nation? No. They were killed. Their own people killed them. These were the ones who were in the will of God, yet they suffered. You sit here this morning, you say, I'm a child of God, I do everything right. Why do I have to suffer? Well, behold the prophets of the Old Testament. They were preaching in the name of the Lord, yet they were persecuted. They were killed for what they preached, but yet they were patient. Let me give you an example. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10. Peter writes, he says, of this salvation. Remember, this is what the Old Testament prophets was looking into. He says, this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. He's talking about us. Peter was writing in the New Testament. The prophets was talking and they were prophesying of this in the Old Testament. Of what? Of a salvation that will come to us. Do you know how privileged you are to sit here today under the new dispensation? The dispensation of grace. Do you know? Have you ever thought about that? That before the cross, these people didn't know what they were talking. They were prophesying about this. It says here that they searched and inquired carefully. That means they've looked deep into what could this mean, this salvation? What you and I have. What is that? That our sins were washed away through the blood of Christ. They were trying to work it out. Searching of what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when He testified beforehand the sufferings in Christ and the glories that would follow. So they were prophesying about the cross. But they couldn't understand this. Do you understand what patience they needed to have to search into this and to keep on prophesying about it? And still get this people, their own people, killing them and, and persecuting them. He says, to them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things that now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So they had to add a lot of patience. They preached the word of God. They were in the will of God, yet they were persecuted. This is the same, he says, that you and I, and I today in this life need to have that patience of the prophets. The third example he gives us is the example of Job. He says in verse 11, Indeed we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Who remember our friend Job? We talk about the patience of Job. But I believe that the Lord taught him patience right through his life. Job chapter 1 to chapter 3, Job's distress. He loses his wealth, his family, and his health. Has that happened to you? All three of those things is things that people are chasing today. If, if you are wealthy, people say, man, that's so good. If you have a family and you, you are healthy, man, that's all the things you want. This man lost all three of those things. And what did his wife do? She came to him one day and she said, Come on, Job. Just curse the Lord and die. That's great advice, isn't it? 
<laughs> yes. That's why he didn't take her. But look at this man. Everything went against him. And surely, if he threw in the towel by then, we would all sit here and say, man, that man had a, had a hard life. If we would go to his tombstone and, and we would have said there, poor Job, wouldn't we? Oh, shame. The, the poor man had a tough life. He's, but he threw it in. And you know, I don't know, maybe I would have thrown it in as well. But what did he do? He said, no. How can I curse God? It showed his patience and patience was working. In Job chapter 4 to chapter 31, Job has got his defense. He debates his three friends and answers their false accusations. Not only was his wife coming up against him, not only did he leave, lost his, his wealth, his family and his health, his wife was coming on him and then his friends, his mates. His bros came to him and told him, hey, you sinned, man, so bad. That's why you've been punished. But what they could not see is on the other side of the veil, how Satan came to, to, to God and he says, and, and, and it wasn't even Satan who mentioned him, it's God. God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan said to God, you see, Job didn't know any of this. He didn't know any. All he had was his wealth, his family and his health. He had a perfect, he prayed for his children, he, he prayed. God mentions this to Satan. And Satan says, yes, I did see him, but you protect him. And God says, okay, do it to him, but you can't touch his life. He didn't know about this. And his friends come in. All of a sudden, they become theologians, didn't they? The most cleverest people in the world, his three friends. And they started accusing him. And then we find in Job chapter 38 to 42, Job's deliverance. First, God humbles Job. Then he honors Job and gives him twice as much than he had. Why? Because he stayed patient. And he learned. He didn't know what was going on. You see, some trials come to you and me. It's satanic trials that comes to you and I. We are still in a war. And as I started off saying today, some things you bring upon yourself. You need to sit down and say, Lord, where is this trials coming from? Is this trials from you to teach me patience? Is this trials for your good? Or is this trials that I brought upon myself? And then there is the part which is a satanic. You know, if you're a child of God, Satan is against you. He's not your friend anymore. He's not your buddy anymore. He's against you. He wants to destroy you. And here he comes. He says, we need to see this as an, as an example of patience. Three examples today. The farmer, the prophets, and Job. If you remember those three, whenever you come into a point, I certainly say to myself, you know, when I read through this passage in James chapter 5, and I end with these words, he says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of our Lord. How is that going to influence me? Well, certainly if I stand, because I'm flying tomorrow night out to Adelaide for two days, if I'm going to stand there in this row, I'm, I, you know what I thought what I'd do? I would take two steps back and say, Be my guest. Be my guest. You see, sometimes we look at people, but we need to look at ourselves first because we look before we look out. It'll be a test tomorrow. I'll come back next Sunday and say how it go, God, okay? <laughs> but friends, let's think about what James said. James chapter 5 verse 7. Therefore, be patient. Be patient long-suffering, as they're going to turn up this dial of tribulation of, 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 you know, cutting you out. Be patient. Until when? Until the coming of our Lord. 
I want to say is, Lord, help us. Because in our own strength, we won't be able to do that. I'm going to pray tomorrow when I stand there. I say, Lord, help me to take two steps back. Help us, Lord. Because we can't do it on our own. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Father, you came back to patience. We spoke about patience a few weeks ago, maybe months ago. But you came back. And Father, I've opened up my word and I've underlined a lot of passages with patience. And I could have spoken a lot of words, scripture verses here. And I believe that patience is important, Father. And you want us to have patience. And Father, I pray and and I ask you, Lord, to, to help us to see how you build our character through patience.